anything's possible though, because you know Bitcoin is money. So you know, money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Coin Telegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 84. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. I'm host number three, Corey. We're back. We're back. back in the States. All three yeah, of us. The I'll Ghostbusters. I might even sound better because I got, I got real internet. It's not fake internet. It's not fake Brazilian internet. That's proxying. Yeah. <laughs> should, we, should we go buy some birds and throw them in the background so you feel, feel at home? <laughs> birds and motorcycles yeah <laughs> uh, it's good to have you back man yeah it feels good to be back did you feel like I know I posted it Marcello posted it but did you sing internally or externally the Hulk Hogan entrance music as you stepped back onto American soil I had it playing on my phone like <laughs> I am a real walking, walking down the the what is that thing called that connects to the airplane the gangway yeah. air bridge uh, the bridge whatever you want to call it I call it the jet bridge but I don't think that's right that might be right um what a what is a uh, damn it I forgot what I was gonna say did it feel extra cool with your Blue American passport and the most likely blue American really airport. Cool not being able to like just going straight through all the custom passport services that have been created for the country, like the citizens of the country. Oh man! Instead of having to go through all, the, I mean, yes, Brazil wasn't that bad. But. Is it good to not have poop in your water or and Zika? And Zika. <laughs> I said he didn't have all that. Well, I had Zika, but you said I had Zika, or you said it no, had Zika. The city, the city had Zika. I didn't know. Uh, oh, okay. I was gonna say, damn. Dude, anyway, Zika. I'm the bills. American, yeah. American poor is back. Let's talk pay the about, bills. Pay the bills. Talk about, yeah. Let's talk about. All right. So this is this is episode 84, and we are brought to you by escrowmybits.com it's a it's a super easy service let me tell you about it all you got to do is register and deposit your bitcoin and then deposit. the seller will ship the I, deposit what did i say i was trying to be an mc i was like deposit them shits did i mess, <clears throat> did oh, I mess okay. you up it's just no no, no. Ruining okay. <laughs> uh buyer checks the goods and then releases the funds and they also offer bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate so no matter where you are in the world they got you covered they're going to charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all escrow transactions, and they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. 
your funds are kept in a secure two of three multi-signature transaction where they only hold one key. So their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. We want there to no longer be any excuses on why not to use escrow. So go to that website and sign up for that newsletter. That's escrow your shit. Escrow my bits. Com. And uh, our next sponsor, uh, I got the swagging. So we got shirts. We got hats. I'm about to, I'm about to send it out to you guys. Uh, we're brought to you by Athena Bitcoin, which is the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs. Uh, they're in Houston, uh, Fort Worth, Dallas. And in fact, um, they just put up a new Houston ATM. And they ordered another one to go up <clears throat> Excuse me, in Dallas soon. So if you're in Texas, they're multiplying. Um, download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play for more specific locations. And uh, they're always adding new locations. So go to athenabitcoin.com. And we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, Bitquick.co. They're the secure, quick, and easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace where you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. Bitquick has been serving Bitcoin since 2013. So where's their bank? There's Bitquick. Bam. Bills paid. Yeah. And speaking of getting apps from the App Store or Google Play, um, Christopher David from Arcade City is supposed to launch his app. I think there was a little bit of delay. But Corey just checked the App Store and it's there. And that's kind of what this whole episode is about. It's about Arcade City. So I I chose like like a noob. I chose Dallas of the, you have to choose a city that you want to unlock, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I signed up, went through their, their username and password, just, just uh, it's a bit slow, but once you get in there, um, you choose a city that you want to unlock. Uh, and it says it needs a certain amount of people to reach like a city level mm-hmm. of karma. So every time someone un- unlocks, the city gets a bit of karma, right? Okay. Um, and then once that city reaches a certain level, then it unlocks like see, a city city level one is basic ride sharing. And that is, it looks like uh, 1.19 million karma. Mm-hmm. And I got 10 karma for unlocking it or 10 people. I don't know. So 190,000 people gives you ride sharing. Yeah, and then you can, I guess, then it opens up all of like the, the, the facilities or you know, ways you can use this app. So, like a noob, I chose Dallas, which doesn't allow me to see what this thing can actually do. Curious to see if Austin has already been opened up. Wait, so you can't unlock two, two cities with the app? I don't know. I'm looking around. You want me to open up Austin? I'm going to do it right now. We should Send make karma, small talk, people. though. Yeah, so um, if you're unfamiliar, deep. In May, Austin shut down all ride-sharing services. There's been no ride-sharing services available in the city, and there's a million people in Austin. That's so bullshit. It's yeah. There's a lot of it's a lot of bullshit. So all them damn cabbies. Yeah. So Chris David took the matters to his own hands without the red tape or bullshit, and um, they integrate. It's integrated into the Ethereum blockchain. And so the mayor can't shut it down. And if you're worried about your privacy, they're using the Airbits wallets, which are end-to-end encryption. So, ain't got to worry about yes. that. Okay. Well, I'm looking at it. it says two and a half stars. Well, on the App Store, the app is 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 uh 
not the best app that I've used in terms of use UI UX, but it's the, I mean, if it does what, if it ends up doing what he says it's going to do, uh, then it's going to be great. And you can always update apps. It's out there. If it has the basic functionality, I wouldn't know because my, because Dallas is nowhere near unlocked. I imagine because Austin is the main city in which this place has been kind of being pumped that Austin actually has a, a good chance of already being unlocked, which you could probably just do yourself. I may try and unlink mine and redo it. And then I guess from my understanding, the, you know, drivers under commercial, the, listen, the reason why Uber and Lyft got a cut of the fare wasn't just because they linked drivers and riders. They also covered drivers under commercial insurance. And then they did a background check and then they tracked the drivers versus GPS on the app. And they had high confidence data on who all the drivers were. So in the event of an accident where the driver's at fault and the passengers get in, injured, their auto insurance is not going to cover the passengers since the driver was operating commercially. And Arcade City, they're trying to maintain the fiction of it's just friends giving friends rides. So I don't know if insurance companies are going to be stupid. Yeah, it's definitely a new, probably legal structure. Uh, yeah. I'd be interested to see what what when things go wrong, because something will go wrong, there will be accidents and there will be people who get butt hurt and try and take advantage of this new legality or this new kind of, you know, gray area in legality. Someone I'm, stole my username. What's your username? Fergalotti? Fergalotti is not... That's impossible. Since I'm like 14 years old, no one's ever had that username. <laughs> This there's, is a, there's another D running around Austin somewhere. Impossible. Somebody stole my <laughs> username? That's crazy. I can't use this app any longer. <laughs> it's over. D's done for it. <laughs> I'm so disgruntled by that. Well, Black sauce it is. I guess it's black sauce then. Um, I mean, it seems like a good idea, but I like what you said, Cello, when you were like, uh, you basically said, uh, you know, keeping up the charade. That it's rides, that's friends giving rides to friends. Well, Uber and Lyft uh, have come up with this legal definition of what ride sharing is. Oh, what is it? And I don't know. I know, but I know there's a legal, like there's a legal term for what this thing is. Yeah. And then laws built around it. So because of that, this doesn't fall under that category for probably the reasons Marcello just mentioned, if not others. Mm. And they can operate there because they're not that like it's like it's almost like a craigslist for people who want to ride it's just such a fuzzy territory Which, though yeah you can see i'm curious to see if there's going to be like uh, like a a user base that end up being like the like the wanted ads of craigslist that are like creepy as fuck <laughs> and people use them and <laughs> I think that like they should just have formats for the people that work for Arcade City or or they should just say things like, Hello, I'm your best friend and I'm here to pick you up. Like just so it's like <laughs> so they get away with legalities. I understand that you Thanks needed a ride. Again. I'm glad yeah. I can help you get a ride, best friend. Yeah. <laughs> you I understand you need a ride, friend of okay, Austin. I'm in Austin, I'm using this thing. I mean that's if they don't have Uber, I want to, and I want to go to a bar. I'm using this. So. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. It well, I like the integration from Airbits because Airbits goes hard in the paint, and everybody knows that it does. 
uh well everybody out on the west uh if i feel like they have a scaling thing where not a lot of people are buying into airbits and what they do and i hope that changes because airbits is a great wallet and the security building things with security for, for voiced building things with security first is it needs to be the general practice and not just the oh this is just a great company that takes the times to do things right kind of practice. I so. should mention that uh, based on our conversation with him, uh, the Bitcoin part of that may not be integrated yet. They may not even be accepting Bitcoin. They may be using traditional services, credit cards like that to, to process, but they are using the, the I think, end-to-end um, -end encryption SDK of Airbits to secure users' data. What? So, may not be able to pay with Bitcoin yet because they haven't rolled that out because they seem to be a bit slow in terms of doing the things that they want to do. This is definitely a, an MVP and updates will come as the, the, the app moves, moves forward. Man, I'm a 90s baby. I know you don't use first generation of anything. You so do, You do well in China as the, as the second mover advantage. Yeah. Roger yeah, Ver invested in them, so there's something. Roger Ver invests in a lot of things. Yeah, but the thing there's is, here. you know, the consensus is Arcade City is not a trustworthy company, and a lot of people are saying red flags, red flags. Would but you I mean, Airbase partners with him. Roger Ver invested in them. He came on our show. He gave us upfront questions or upfront answers to our questions. Would you use yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I did too. I'm, I'm um, used to service. Okay. Yeah, I use it. You don't need to trust him to use the service, and that's kind of the. Well, I need to trust his ass to implement Bitcoin, but he's not doing that. He may, if if things go well, he may be able to hire hire developers to put these types of these services in. Mm. Having an MVP in creating the network is the most important thing. Providing the service that allows people to do this type of stuff is the most important thing. From there. You can you can make it easier to use the service, or more convenient, or you know, add payment options and things like that. If the okay. basic foundational service is there, then you can build on it, and that seems to be what's there right now. But we'll see as time goes on. All right, I'll, if he actually adds like an arcade aspect to it, that would be pretty dope. Like oh yeah, he's, he's gamified it. It's pretty cool. Ooh, gamified. Well, you could play that, Pokemon Go in the back seat. That's is that something. a Man, Pokemon Go got so mad. Yeah. <laughs> that got old quick. I knew it would. Things just get old so fast. There's no golden eyes anymore. There's just, there's just not. Anyways, um, yeah. So what, so what else should we talk about? Like, is there any Bitcoin specific? Well, news let's uh, let's let's go into the interview. You want to go into the interview? Some, uh, I'll come back with some yeah other sweet stuff. All right, Marcello, drop the intro. Wow. That was a dubstep. Uh oh. You know what? My kid's awake, so you get to do the honors of introing. All right. Telophilia said hello. Or not. Oh, he probably muted his mic. Muted his mic. Go ahead and do the intro, dude. I will. I'm just going to build suspense. You're supposed to be giving me boise. Boise. Biggity bois. All right. So Arcade City. It's an app, guys. 
if you haven't been listening. And it's it's for ride sharing. It's just Uber. Because what happened in Austin, Austin, Texas, as you heard, cabbies came through. They got what they wanted. No more Uber. No more Lyft. All right. So it's integrated through Ethereum. All right. And we tried to do our best to figure out if there were any skepticism around this person. And Corey, how, what was it like talking to him, Mr. David? It's good. He's up front, you know, personable. He's definitely a, a guy they can talk to. Uh, had great answers for all the questions we had. And we, we kind of wanted to dig a little bit deeper to see, you know, how this is going to work, where it's going to go, and, and what the scenario is behind all this ride sharing Uber stuff is. So he, he gave us all the answers we wanted and really ended up enjoying the conversation. Yeah. Wicked yeah, awesome beard. Uh, what's up, Joe? You back? It was good. He was a he was a ginger, like yeah, a ginger <laughs> beard, a ginger avenger. So, long story short, yes, Chris David has had a tainted history, but you don't have to worry about that being a part of what you do with Arcade City because it's built using an SDK, using Airbits SDK, point to point encryption, uh, securing you as a user. So. Without further ado, here's Chris David. Here it is. As a as a former ride sharing driver that kind of understands the industry as it stands today, can you shed a little light on the ban in Austin regarding your competitors? I think it was what Proposition One. Sure. So Prop 1 was sponsored by Uber and Lyft to try to overturn the city's um, regulation on ride-sharing that was um, written partly under pressure by Taxi Lobby and uh, their friends on the city council. And they put in these fingerprinting provisions that um, Uber and Lyft fought back hard against. Um, they tried to pass this Prop 1 that would uh, overturn the law uh, that failed um, talking with a lot of the people now that I've moved to Austin uh, I think one of the major reasons that it failed was Uber and Lyft carpet bond Austin with um, more political mailers and advertisements uh, more money was spent on that campaign than any election in Austin's history so I think a lot of people they like Uber and Lyft but they just didn't like feeling strong armed by this you know far distant corporation so um, anyway, that failed. Um, Uber and Lyft gave about 48 hours notice that they were pulling out. Um, they pulled out. 10,000 rideshare drivers were out of a job overnight. And, uh, you know, there was chaos for people who were trying to get home and came to rely on Uber and then were trying to rely on taxis. And in that first week, two weeks in particular, um, just a special amount of chaos. Eventually, some other uh, alternatives have come in to fill the void, uh, partially, kind of, sort of. But um, we recognize that opportunity uh, as, as a huge opportunity to come uh, ourselves to Austin uh, and kind of uh, have this be the, the ground zero for Arcade City. We believed and still believe that uh, the uh, next big rideshare will be the one that emerges victorious in this battle royale here. So we're excited to be here in person now. And so do you have to follow those, those specific regulations of uh, what Prop 1 didn't, didn't get done? like the fingerprinting and so on and so forth? Our argument is that we do not because the regulations are intended to regulate transportation network companies, not ride-sharing 
uh, in general. Now, Uber and Lyft, uh, you know, basically came up with this definition of transportation network company uh, in conversation with the California Public Utilities Commission back in 2013. And, you know, like many things, you know, California pioneers these regulations then that then spread to um, other cities, other states. And so Uber has largely successfully led the charge in getting these TNC laws um, passed uh, through state and municipal legislatures all over the country uh, and similarly around the world, different variants around the world. But usually what happens is there's some, you know, do-gooder government people that add on to this quote-unquote model legislation that Uber and Lyft put forward and they say, well, you know, we need also fingerprints, we need, we need also, you know, these other things that usually the, the taxi people recognize that as a way to kind of, you know, keep the playing field artificially leveled level or tilted in their favor yeah. um, that they've come to, to push back against. Now, Arcade City is not a transportation network company. We're coming in at a different angle, more like a Craigslist-style open marketplace. Um, there's actually a lot of confusion around exactly what Uber actually is and how they're structured. Lyft also. People think, well, Uber's a TNC. Well, that's not exactly the case. Uber has the parent company, Uber Technologies, Inc., which is a technology company. Then they have their state-level or municipal-level subsidiaries, which they call Razier LLCs, different ones for different states. It's those entities that register with their state or municipal regulations as the TNC, kind of under the Uber umbrella. Lyft is structured the same way. Um, our model is, hey, you know, we want to be the technology. We want to be kind of, uh, you know, facilitating or causing there to be these transactions, but we don't want to ourselves be in the game of needing to care about what individual transportation regulations are. You know, that puts us in the position of needing to similarly staff up and, um, you know, with lobbyists and stuff, or just basically ride on Uber's coattails, which we're not interested in doing. So our model is, you know, in addition to the decentralization of various things like you know, the pricing decision down to the level of the rider and driver, um, we hope to be a more um, you know, have just a more decentralized organizational model where we can focus on the tech. We can um, provide a set of tools for various entrepreneurs who themselves will go through you know various regulations themselves. And we kind of came to this model over time, re realizing kind of with surprise that people were actually willing to do this. We have there was one guy, for example, in Concord, New Hampshire, the state capital of New Hampshire, who had never. Uber and Lyft had never been in the state capital of New Hampshire for some reason. They were in Manchester and Portsmouth, the two like largest um, uh, urban areas there in New Hampshire, never in Concord. Well, we had a guy there who went and registered a company called Skee-Ball Transportation, LLC. Um, he went and registered it with the city of Concord as a taxi. So then he was able to accept street hails and also was using the Arcade City app for ride hails. Now, the regulations were not at all envisioning uh, you know, we're not written for that kind of situation at all. But you look at the power of it. Arcade City was active in a city where Uber and Lyft never were, and we spent zero dollars. And now he's got all his ducks in a row to the point where he can hire people under him. He can be making his own money and just kind of, you know, we'll take a little bit of a cut for owning the technology. We like that model. That's a way for us to kind of scale these kinds of, um, you know, peer-to-peer, driver-friendly, driver ownership uh, ideas around the world without needing to kind of, you know, care about what every single like I and T are, are at the at the kind of legal level locally. All right. So let me get this straight. If I understood you correctly, you want Arcade City to position itself in a manner that is providing a platform of communication and payment to drivers and people who want to ride somewhere. 
Is that correct? Um, short answer is yes. Long answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the oh, what Arcade City is is you know we provide the communicate. It's a, basically a communications or a technology um, um, service. We want to provide service not to facilitate transportation, as in we are not involving ourselves um, in a rider driver transaction. The idea is to provide clear and transparent information to both sides of a peer-to-peer transaction such that they can make up their own minds and contract privately on whatever terms that they want. Now, there may separately be within the Arcade City ecosystem some entity, whether it's legally associated with AC corporate or not, that specializes in providing payments in those situations. Hey, I'm a payment provider. I'd like to do this. We're working already with a payment provider called Bravo. Here in Austin, they're doing a pilot here, and we're helping them, and we're you know kind of making it known to people that hey, if you want to take credit cards peer to peer, use Bravo. The big difference between us and Uber and Lyft is that they maintain a tight control over their drivers. They pay drivers via 1099. They have money come into the corporate entity, which they then take their cut of and distribute it out to drivers on a 1099 basis. We're saying, hey, look. Service providers, we will provide you a platform, some tools that you can use to do whatever you want with. So, yeah, the end result is similar, but we are not kind of putting ourselves in that position where we are maintaining a fleet of drivers. We need to maintain quality control. Our belief is, and we've seen so far, that when we just provide enough information from a kind of a a cultural standpoint about, hey, like here are generally things that you guys want to look out for. Um, you know, eventually those will become actual toolkits. And hey, if you want to set up your own TNC, like here's the tech platform, we're going to take a cut for you using our platform. It's a little bit more of a software as a service model. We're stepping back one step away from the actual facilitation of the transportation itself. Yeah, we're seeing that quite a bit actually in the cryptocurrency community. This a lot of a lot of people who are creating the software is creating this this kind of zero knowledge platform of the customers that use the software they create, which is the software of a service type thing. And, and in that case, how does, how does Arcade City make money? Where, where do you fit into, since you don't really care how people are using your service, how are you making money? Um, one is we're envisioning kind of a, um, maybe like a white label solution where people can use um, maybe a, get a branded version of our app. So we're going to be pushing the Arcade City brand um, and there are some people that are kind of forming their own entities or their driver pods or whatever kind of quote unquote in association with the Arcade City brand. Um, you know, one potential revenue stream is, hey, like we just want, you know, we'll give you, we'll license you the code. You can pay us X for that or maybe it's a, um, you know, percentage of transaction fee um uh, so there's a couple of other ways. We're still kind of examining the legalities of, you know, you know, taking a cut of transactions, but, you know, whether or not we can kind of safely, you know, with minimal risk, uh, inject ourselves into there. There's other kind of software as a service kind of models. Maybe, you know, you're, you're paying a, a monthly fee or whatever. Um, but the, the general kind of mindset and approach is somewhat similar, I think, to how, um, OB1 approaches Open Bazaar. You know, you've got this open ecosystem, and you know, you may not be interjecting yourself into each transaction. People are transacting peer to peer, but you know, the idea is that you're going to build up enough of a network that you can 
generate a substantial enough revenue providing services that are needed to these people. These people are not going to be, you know, coding their own like Ether- Ethereum smart contract. You know, we will be. Yeah, that's exactly. That's a really so, good analogy then, to what you I, to what you're explaining about how you want your software to work is the Open Bazaar platform and Ob One that relationship. I think. Yeah. Go ahead, Jello. Well, and then you you talked about open market and um, you, you know you're a service that cuts out the middlemen and you make government regulations obsolete. You you proclaim it an open market. Why are news outlets calling you guys a black market? Is it just because you guys are innovating too fast for the city of Austin? Does the media just not get what you're trying to do? Um, the media, in many respects, t- kinds of um, takes pronouncements by municipal authorities at face value um, and may not uh, bring kind of a sophisticated legal hat or legal analysis and, oh, hey, we can call this black market, that'll get more clicks kind of thing. Um, You know, the city of Austin, it's kind of funny how this evolved. Um, You know, when after after Prop 1 um, failed uh, and it looked like Uber and Lyft were going to pull out, the mayor of Austin, Mayor Adler, um, made a fairly big deal and took a lot of flack for saying to Uber and Lyft basically that there were no provisions within the law that was passed that would allow the city to come after the TNC itself. Um, there was just really like no enforcement mechanism in there. And so like they, from the day one, have been kind of trying to, you know, you know, mollify and Monte Carlo and kind of have it both ways. You know, Uber and Lyft left anyway. We come in, we, you know, start helping to fill the void, certainly in those first couple of weeks. You know, we made a huge impact there. Um, and the first ever anything we heard from the city was a statement out of, I don't remember if it was the transportation department or the mayor's office somewhere. They said, Arcade City is legal as long as its drivers are not charging more than the federal reimbursement rate of 50, 54 cents per mile. And so there's a couple of things with that. Number one, it's drivers. Like, what do you mean it's drivers? If someone who's on Facebook and posts in a group called Arcade City says, hey, I'm driving, you know, I'll give you a ride, and someone contacts them, are they our driver? It, it just it brings up all these, like, interesting issues about, about who's what. Um, you know, given especially that we're not making any money off of these individual transactions. But anyway, after that, you know, kind of, you know, people realized, that, hey, like, the city's not going to be coming after us. You know, our network kind of grew and grew and grew and grew to the point that, you know, yeah, we were getting all this coverage as, uh, you know, some was, you know, positive and like, hey, look, they're like creating this free market and open market. And some were like, oh, it's a black market. And, you know, whether it's legal or not, some people just latched onto the idea that, oh, Arcade City is a rideshare equals TNC equals they're not like registering as a TNC equals illegal. Like that's the calculus in a lot of people's minds. And, you know, it, 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 we, we don't mind the like, you know, breathless headlines about, oh my God, the black market. It just, it kind of, it's, it's hilarious. And, you know, people here in Austin have, you know, pe- people who experience the service, they just laugh, off, laugh that kind of stuff off. So that's why you don't mind building your company in Austin, even, you know, in light of like the mayor and prop one and everything. Cause you, there's faith in the city that this is going to work. The, the, the people in Austin have been absolutely amazing. They have embraced us um, definitely. And, um, I'm, I'm so glad that the situation happened the way that it did, that we did, um, you know, decide to move here because, you know, I, I had not been familiar with Austin in the past. And just just coming to, you know, I used to live in San Francisco. I've lived in a number of different places. And and, and the sense that I get from, you know, looking through at Austin through the lens of a, of a tech startup founder is, wow, like 
it's it's not dominated by the kind of unicorn hunters of Silicon Valley. It's a lot more you know kind of countercultural, and there, it's it's there's a strong tech vibe, but also kind of a a real outside the box uh, uh, countercultural feeling there. You know, keep Austin weird is the is the slogan there. So the, the city, I think, will will come around. Um, you know, after they kind of we think try to you know fire a shot across our bow, um, in, in impounding the vehicles of one of our drivers. And then coming into our um, our headquarters there at Capital Factory in downtown Austin with six officers to write me a citation for illegally operating a TNC after they did pass additional enforcement mechanisms to uh, punish rogue TNCs like um, us. Um, after that, and that they kind of um, you know got some egg on their face in the media. You know, after they like the follow the week before they complained about a police shortage, and then they're sending six officers in to write me a ticket. It's kind of ludicrous. But after that. Um, the, the transportation department sent me a nice email and, you know, requested uh, uh, to sit down and discuss the, the TNC ordinance. And so I went in and, you know, talked with three of their people and one of their like officer guys and just explained like, you know, you know, I, I would appreciate, you know, your guys' help um, to help us understand the TNC ordinance, because even though Arcade City is not a transportation network company, our goal is that three, six, nine months from now, there are two, three or four TNCs that form and register with the city of Austin that are kind of within the Arcade City ecosystem. And if this is something where, like, we think that Austin, you know, is something where we're going to want this to be, like, our largest network, maybe we're going to put more resources into, like, making sure that the kind of TNC registration process works fine with our more, you know, uh, franchise model kind of thing. So I think we kind of, I don't know, sufficiently confused them that they haven't, like, done anything further against us. Um and who knows? I, I think that, you know, you look at what has come out of the mayor's office so far, um, you know, the what they tried to do but that Prop 1 routed around was pass this thumbs up Austin program where the basic idea is that they want to provide a set of standards for fingerprinting, that not every ride care driver had to be fingerprinted, but, um, you know, they wanted it to be searchable, like a thing that within the app, if you are as a consumer care enough that you want to see uh, whether or not a driver has been fingerprinted or not, or you, like you, you want a driver who's been fingerprinted, you can search by that. If you don't care, you know you don't have to. And so, even though I don't really like the idea of of government mandating that, that is the exact idea behind Arcade City. We want to be able to provide trusted information about, hey, this driver has had a background check by this service or a pro level background check, or this person was in the military. This person passed a school bus background check. Hey, this person has been fingerprinted with these various people. This person has, uh, you know, been approved to drive for Uber and Lyft and has 2,000 plus rides. And, you know, to provide all of this information and put it onto a driver profile in a way that's transparent to the user, let the, let the rider filter by things that they care about. Um, that kind of concept of providing information to both sides of a transaction, I think is the way that the city of Austin kind of would like to go. We just kind of have to get them kind of familiar with us and like, hey, let, let us move in that direction. We'll help you. We'll be good, you know, citizens and stuff. But, you know, these are newer models. The laws are not uh, yet updated to reflect them just in the same way they weren't, uh, you know, the earlier laws when Uber and Lyft got started were written for the taxis. You know, it's the same deal. We'll have to go through a similar process. But I think the we won't have to we'll, – I think we'll be able to get by without hiring the billions worth of – uh, uh, lobbyists and such. All right, so there's a giant void in Austin, and you're attempting to fill it with with what what seems to be a really good application that that the, that the users want, care about, and are, are, are rally around. What 
I'm curious about, we're called the Bitcoin podcast. How does cryptocurrency enter into this? And is it, is it, it's clearly marketed towards people who want ride sharing and not so much people who want crypto. So how does crypto fit into this model? Is it, is it a means to get, so do you see it as a way for people to get introduced to cryptocurrency or is cryptocurrency going to be more of a backend that allows user to ex- experience a new use case without having to care about how it works in the backend? Um, kind of all of the above. People are going to be able to use this happily and not need to know a single thing about uh, Bitcoin or blockchain if they don't want to. However, um, we are uh, really excited to um, use this you know, huge business-to-consumer um, um, opportunity here as a way to powerfully introduce crypto to a whole bunch of new people. Take, for example, rideshare drivers. Um, Uber currently takes a 20% or for new drivers, 25% cut for UberX. So if we say to drivers, hey, drivers, if you are accepting credit card payments through the app, through whatever payment processor we're associated with, if you're taking credit card payments, you're going to be able to keep 85%. The Arcade City payment LLC or whatever is going to take 15%. However, if you accept payment in Bitcoin through our approved blah, 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 um, you'll be able to keep 98%. That will have every driver not only wanting, you know, getting set up with their own wallet, but also starting to talk to their consumers, uh, their riders about Bitcoin. Oh, hey, get on Bitcoin. So um, we're seeing this definitely as a, a, a large um, uh, adoption uh, a play for Bitcoin. I think it's going to massively help uh, Bitcoin adoption. Our mobile app that is launching on September 1st uh, integrates with Airbits. So every single um, rider and driver, every single user who creates an account on Arcade City gets their own Bitcoin wallet via Airbits. They're, they're not going to know about it right away. It's not going to be like immediately apparent that they have one, but our login system is like synchronized with theirs. So yeah, you're using their the SDK, I imagine. Yes, yeah. And so you know the 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 login piece because we're building for um, React Native, so we're just we're actually we're like I think going to be the first application that's using their React Native. Is that uh, also implementing their Bit ID? No, mo- most of their um, stuff, their SDK is not yet in React Native, which we're building our app in. Um, the payments part of it is going to be in like like I think later in so September. Using, you're essentially using their wallet services uh, strictly. It's the it's the login yeah the the lo- it's the whatever their namespace is the the login process for, for ah okay that is their bit ID will be yeah you if you create an account on Arcade City it will create you an Airbits wallet that if you could download their app um uh, or when they roll out the payments part for the React Native uh, which I think is coming end of September then within the Arcade City app you'll be able to like hit a button to pull up Bitcoin wallet and have access to the same kind of you know over the air bitcoin payments uh, as as any other but yeah B- bitcoin payments is one thing um that you know will be in for the during the first month um other little things are we're starting to kind of get our toe into the water of crypto like uh one option for driver verification is there will be a badge on your profile that you can um earn this badge and some of these karma points are like gamified like point system if you verify your physical address with this, um, you know, product of consensus out of New York, the uh, proof of physical address, it's like a smart Oracle. You send $5 worth of ether uh, yeah. at this, thing. they send you a postcard. It's just like, it's a cool little thing that can get people exposed to ether. And also, Hey, look, 
we, I can verify on the blockchain that I've verified my my physical address. And we'll probably integrate with Shapeshift so people can move from their Bitcoin wallet into Ether. Um, but down the road, um, we're, we're very excited about some of these other concepts coming out of, you know, primarily that we've seen out of the Ethereum space around, you know, self-sovereign identity and, you know, what consensus is in the process of doing with Uport about using this self-sovereign identity as kind of the basis for this reputation system. Like we want all of that now. Like I wish more of this stuff was kind of production ready to put in now, but as it becomes ready or as we're able to kind of finagle our own ways, we, we want to get as much of this stuff on the blockchain as it makes sense to. Um, it, some of that will take us, you know, a, a couple years to do, but we're working on it. All right. So that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, I guess, part of the question that I recently had is that it's 15 days from now or a little less than that in terms of your, your um, MVP release, right? Uh, what do we expect to see when you release the the MVP or the, the first Arcade City application into Austin, what's going to be incorporated into that? Because some of the features, like I guess the the gradual decentralization of Arcade City, is you know six months, one year, two years down the road. And what are we going to expect to see in the initial offering of the application? Um, so just um, first to clarify, this is going to be a global launch. Um, Austin is kind of our main kind of tip of our spear and. Okay. Uh, than our guinea pigs, but the app will be available um, globally. We kind of restructured some of our plans based on some of the things that occurred in Austin um, of you know four months or so ago when we were you know so just a little bit more background. Um, we got started in January. We launched a very simple um, Angular Ionic app um, from February to April that was live um, everywhere, and we were kind of um, trying to manage and, and vet drivers centrally. We hadn't like fully kind of decentralized that part of our model. Um, we Because we had that kind of central bottleneck, we just, we grew way too fast. We just decided to kind of like take that down and like rebuild on a stronger platform, you know, hire some developers and uh, just t- take our time with some things and also think about our kind of legal and insurance strategy. So um, we, what we saw in Austin um, with this, you know, this, freaking Facebook group of 39,000 people and some of the, the the social dynamics that emerged in this hotbed were things that we realized like we absolutely want to and need to support within the app. One of the biggest light bulbs for us was it is possible for a very, very active rideshare community, a peer-to-peer marketplace to form in a city like Austin and to essentially self-govern. Um, not myself, not any of the corporate officers are, of Arcade City are at all involved in the day-to-day operations of Austin. You know, we came here, we identified the, some of the top drivers in the first couple of weeks. Though those were given kind of leadership positions in the Facebook group. Everything runs, you know, I wouldn't say smoothly, but it runs you know, quite well. Services are getting uh, offered. You know, we're getting reviewed really well by those you know journalist people who actually like take the time to go through the service and, and use it you know it's kind of like you know sort of an institution here in Austin and we realized that you know we, we spent very very little money to kind of set that up and our question then became well you know do we do the kind of standard rideshare TNC rollout of starting in one city and abiding by all the rules and regulations and then go on to the next one and we kind of realized hey wait a second if we were to just take um, what we saw emerge in Austin, which is this really this self-governing community with all these really cool 
social dynamics like like these pods of drivers that just emerged organically where there's these you know there's for one example there's a group called CJ Go a group of all female drivers they they formed organically to fit a need the need is if you're a girl getting out of the club at 2 a.m. do you want to roll the dice and see if Uber's algorithm is going to match you with some creeper uh, who now knows where you live you know, <laughs> Tons of complaints from uh, female riders about just that same situation. Or, hey, do you want to like, you know, call up the this network of like trusted community vetted female drivers who've like developed a service particularly to you? We have people specializing in handicap services, in deliveries, and all of this like amazing stuff. And we're like, okay, what we need to do is like take our like corporate, we want to control things hands off of it. We need to look at what is the bare minimum that we can put into place and make available globally, ideally, where any network anywhere in the world, because we have people emailing in from all over the place wanting to get Arcade City going in their area and just say, look, here's the toolkit. Here's what you do. Thus far, we've kind of been telling people like read Swarmwise, this book about how to build this like decentralized organizational model, which we've like learned a lot from and tried to incorporate a lot into our model. But the app is um, um, basically what launches is a it's a glorified reputation system it's a way for people to um begin to rate each other and accumulate points it basically forces people if they want to get access to the rideshare tools which will be locked we're kind of timing it such that the rideshare tools are going to remain locked for any given area until after about two weeks of kind of concerted effort by a, a handful you know 50 to 100 people in any particular uh, you know, mid-sized city need to kind of come together. They need to think about a marketing strategy, think about opportunities, think about, you know, the regulatory environment in India or, or you know, Europe or freaking, you know, China is going to be vastly different than the U.S. That's nothing we are going to um, be able to or want to manage centrally. But just providing a way for people to say, hey, here is, um, you know, here is how I can know that this person over here is trusted on the platform. Oh, wow, they have, you know, 150 you know, 200 karma points because they did all this activity to set up the network and now they got access to the rideshare tools and they unlocked the classes rider and driver if you couldn't tell i have like a big video game nerd growing up and role-playing yeah. games <laughs> leaving raids in like high school and college i just like led a freaking raiding guild and like oh like like having a level system and having people have your class your level one rider your level one driver and it's so funny because i had to like explain this concept of leveling system to people you know who were not RPG gamers like I was until Pokemon Go came out, and then you have every like nailed it. It's <laughs> a level five. I need to get to level five so I can choose my gym. Like people get the idea now. So I now I describe Arcade City as it's like Uber meets Pokemon Go is kind of the direction we're trying to go. All right, so this is uh, now. I, I guess I have to ask the the elephant in the room. If you if if you if you Google Arcade City and yourself. There's a, quite a few accusations of of your history and your past, and and that will obviously scare people. How can users of Arcade City not care about that? Why should they not care about that? Well, I could understand caring if there's like some you know fat cat guy in a smoke filled room who's got his hands on your money. Uh, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not touching anyone's money. And here's the beautiful part about this. Um, you know, this, this may end up being a pretty kind of, I don't know, uh, teachable experience, which is, hey, look, I don't ask you or anyone to trust me. 
I ask you to inspect the code, which will be open source. I ask you to look at the blockchain and see if the numbers are adding up. Like, you know, I, I don't want to be in a position where people need to like trust or care that I'm doing anything, you know, in particular other than what I'm good at, which is being, you know, an obnoxious, you know, loudmouth who talks <laughs> loudly about blockchain and stuff, which has earned, you know, a couple enemies over the years as I, you know, ran for Congress and had all sorts of people like, you know, develop axes to grind against me. So whatever. I mean, you know, some of that stuff I think just comes with the territory. There's plenty of crap that gets said about Zuckerberg and, and Kalanick and all these people, but um, you know, well, at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter what you have done. It should matter about what your application does and how you control it. And with the push to the types of zero knowledge uh, software applications that people are pushing out, such as what you've just explained to us, no one should really give a shit about your history as long as the application works in the way that you've just described it. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, I've, I've intentionally not like tried to jump on and try to like resolve or answer some of these things, partly because I don't have time, but partly because, I mean, look at who the Republican nominee for president of the United States is. Who <laughs> <laughs> everyone was like, oh, he raped children. He did all this terrible and just every single thing. Like, you know, so some of that is like, hey, if people are talking about us, they're, they're thinking about us and they're, they're they know what Arcade, they at least heard about Arcade City, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, thanks for clearing up any misconceptions people would have in, in your time, and, and now people are going to know more. And I'm in Austin, so, you know, send me a shirt. I'll wear it downtown. Awesome. I'll be using uh, yeah. your goddamn service. I'm going to use it as much as I possibly can whenever I'm in Austin. So Yeah, I'll use it too. Um, one more question might be the hardest question we ask. Ten words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Bitcoin is magic internet money brought to you by secret ninjas i'm cool with that that's probably one of our best explanations so far <laughs> God bless thank you guys i'm not too hard to find online facebook and twitter if anyone wants to ask me anything else chris we and appreciate it back. and uh you're welcome back on the show whenever uh things move forward we can talk about uh the success of arcade city in austin and everywhere else awesome thanks guys thanks all right later and that was the interview with chris david uh, presenting Arcade City, an application where you can uh, share rides around your town. And it's gamified, which is a new verb. But it's uh, not ride sharing. It's not ride sharing. That's right. It's just a bunch of friends giving friends rides for, um, money. for money because they owe them lunch. I don't know how it works. But we do know that Arcade City is live on the App Store. The and according to this just in from Corey, it, the UI sucks. So, <laughs> ooh, taking a dump on it. Yeah, right? man. You ain't got to put me on front street. Well, i backing you up on it because I got it too. And it does suck. And whoever well, took my username. It's literally an MVP. You can, like, he was late. So it was supposed to launch the first. I think it launched yesterday. Today yeah. is at the time of recording, it's the third. You can talk, Dylan. Oh, by the way, Dylan, my friend Dylan, is now in the studio. I'm here. How's it going? And we're going to have some conversation <laughs> with him about introducing him to Bitcoin because I talked to him about it last night when we went to dinner. Awesome. Like my gay partner, Dylan. <laughs> uh, friend. <laughs> <laughs> you just confused our whole audience. They think no. that you're married this whole time. 
he can like, my sexuality there too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah. give us a bit a bit about the background. Like how did how did you meet Corey? How do you know Corey? Those things. Um yeah, Arcade City is an MVP. It's it's providing the right service. Like you it's just, more important. I'm hold on, I'm finishing what I was saying. You, okay, you just totally swerved the question. <laughs> no, I was finishing like the, what I was talking about. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Finish the stuff about Arcade City. It's 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 providing. I'm hoping it is providing the service that it set out to do, in the like the the easiest, quickest way possible, and all of the improvements to make things easier to use it, uh, like you know the quality of life improvements, UI UX type stuff that people can introduce later. Features like you know maybe even accepting Bitcoin along the road that'll come out soon. But if it's providing people the option to get a ride from other people in areas where they can't get it and that's all really that matters right now so hmm. we'll see what happens yeah if i'm in austin i'll probably use it just because uber and lyft have shown that they're better than taxis sorry taxi drivers if you're listening but uh i don't care that much uber and lyft are better than what you do so uh right. Back to Dylan. Back to Dylan. So Dylan, tell so tell everyone who's listening a little bit about how you know Corey, and then we're gonna go into how Corey went on converting you into your baptism. Uh, yeah, I've known Corey probably since uh, elementary school or fifth grade. So we've grown up together, um, and now I've gotten into web development. So we discuss you know different programming languages and different things here and there, and uh, we were discussing. Uh, you know, pandas and charting things and everything like that. And he showed me and he's talked to me about the Bitcoin podcast and everything like that. But I, I thought it was a very small scale until he showed me the numbers and everything of all the downloads and listeners. And I was taken back by that. So it uh, drew my attention. And then a couple months back, D offered up uh, a couple Bitcoin and opened an account on, is it Coinbase? So yeah, so Corey, uh, so I told Corey that I had that, but I had never interacted with it. So I downloaded the app and uh, Corey went in and decided to transfer some Bitcoin to me last night for my dinner uh, or for dinner for me to pay for it. And then, uh, like I said, transferred Bitcoin over. So then we started to discuss that, but I'm very new to the whole uh, industry and everything. So, so what? interested to hear more about it yeah one of the questions he asked is like sorry so now that i got it what do i do with it and i was like i don't know do you want to use it like regular money you can get a shift card for 10 bucks and use it like a debit use a debit card anywhere you go yep. if you're a citizen and so I, you'll get a shift card you can just start spending that bitcoin yep or you can save it i mean it's money so you know you can so then, what what was it that Corey said that you were like oh, i'll give it a shot finally uh, well, one thing was I thought it was purely, uh, you know, I thought Bitcoin itself was a, uh, you know, a monetary type thing. And then he went in to explain blockchain a little further that it's more than that. Um, but in regards to your question, you know, I figured, uh, why not try it now? Just cause we had some discussions about how, you know, the, uh, the bank holds on and kind of regulates what it is that, you know, they're basically they do what they want. So there's a percentage taken out or, uh, you know, they can charge you for just holding on to your money or whatnot. So I can mm -hmm. see this, you know, being something big in the future. So I figured since my friends are 
taking all this time to discuss it. <laughs> I should at least uh, acknowledge that. So, go go. I, I did think the uh, other interesting thing was you brought up the Imogen interview, and that caught my attention because I'm a fan of her. So, mm, what you say? Like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Then he went into uh, more information that it's more than just uh, money that the blockchain is going to be used on. She's like, so, what is she doing on your podcast? Did you did you go back and listen to that one? Yeah, yeah. he'll probably go back and listen to it. I'll show it to him. Which yeah, episode? man, she's doing great things. She's trying to make it so that musicians get paid for their music, um, which in 2016 is like such a far gone thought. It's, you know, not anymore. Well, yeah, at least the, the 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 route from people paying for music to musicians getting paid is so obfuscated that you no one really knows what happens in between there. But you do know that the people who are doing things in between there are taking a large percentage of the money from the people. Yeah. Right? And, and, and now like, it places oh, like... Money artists. Yeah. yeah. It completely like, wipes out the middleman and that's, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, it's, it's peer-to-peer, peer-to-peer tech. You know, you don't need middlemen uh, to verify things because the verification is there in the mathematics. So did you see an appeal to the Coinbase app? Oh, absolutely. Obviously there's, uh, you know, can be improvements here and there, but me being so new to that, I don't know exactly what that would take, but, um, yeah. And, and as we also discussed, he mentioned that, you know, there was a Burger King in Switzerland, I believe that, you know, allowed (laughs) that now. And then you made the, uh, the fun call to Burger King in rural Texas. Yeah, yeah. Copper's Cove, Texas. Pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I told him I was on my way down there. <laughs> He's straight, All right, well, I'm on my way to try and use the Bitcoin. He's just like, yeah. oh, okay. That was the worst. Do you take Do you take Bitcoin? No, maybe. Is it money? I was like, yeah, it's just it's money. I'm gonna. She's like, well, we do take digital like card things, so we probably take Bitcoin. And I was like. Are you sure you take Bitcoin? He's like, yeah. yeah. Come on down. This is a... <laughs> it was the other really bad. Corey and I really haven't discussed is the fact that uh, I had a gift card yesterday to the place that we ate at, and uh, the gift card was actually a printed off card with the, um, I guess you'd say the gift cards, you know, numbers, expiration date, and everything. Mm-hmm. And the waitress was like, I don't think that's gonna work here. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, just plug those numbers in like and it'll a, work. It's a card and yeah. uh, it's just printed. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, nope, never seen it. Probably not going to work. So I can see that that, you know, comes into play with Bitcoin, something introduced that's brand new. They're just going to assume, okay, that's not going to work here. Well, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, you know, just be open to it. It might work. Yeah. Uh, sure enough, $30 came off the tab. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely going to take some behavioral practices, behavioral changes. You know, anytime, anytime anything is introduced that's new, you got to affect the behavior first. Like, imagine pay at the pump. We've probably done that our entire lives, us. But can you imagine being like 40 and 50, the first time you see pay at the pump, and you're like, what the fuck? I have to in. Yeah, like, My mom I'm gonna still go. doesn't. She still doesn't use pay at the pump. She goes in because she doesn't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there you go. 
you're, I think your mom is definitely at the tail end of the adoption curve on most things. I would agree with that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely get your mom. Up. I was I was riding with her and we were getting gas and she went inside the building. I'm like, where are you going? She was I'm paying for gas, and I didn't even bother to like <laughs> unwrap her. Okay, but it, you know it's going to take some practices and behavior practices. So, are you going to dive? Right in. I know a Coinbase, you can get Ethereum now. So I have automatic Ethereum purchases going out every week. That's awesome. Yeah, I would definitely be interested in reading up more on that. It's uh, Skynet. Okay. So know that you're investing in the future of humans' demise, but Ethereum is Skynet. So. All right. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to take a look at that. <laughs> Am I right, Corey? It basically turns all computers into one thinking together computer. Every you know? time you use a Skynet reference, you lose whoever it is you're talking to. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> Skynet. Who the he definitely f- lost me, but I'm just letting him know that I am interested in the whole industry. Oh, Skynet's from Terminator. Okay. It's, re- yeah. it's responsible for Judgment Day, which already passed. Um, <laughs> but anyways... Corey, am I right or wrong about that? Like, I feel like that's what Ethereum does using smart contracts. We'll wait until we get to the the artificial intelligence singularity, and figure, then we'll start calling people things names at that point. By then, it's too late. We're already conclaved. Yep. So, so here, here's a question: being uh, new to the table uh, to you, D or Cello, uh, what makes you so confident in Bitcoin? You go first, Cello. Uh, I'm confident in Bitcoin because the current the current system that we have in place is so flawed and terrible. I mean, what was it? A couple months ago, Target uh, all their uh, credit card information got compromised. That's, I mean, it's, there's hacks. It's just terrible. And I think Bitcoin is is uh, it's not so much I'm confident. I just see it being a better system, and it needs to be implemented because the current system that we have now sucks. Okay. And yeah, that Target that was a while ago. That was Christmas time. Yeah. A couple, couple of years back. That's why Target's so strict nowadays. But uh, why am I so confident? Uh, just because not only, like Marcello said, is a better system, um, but it's the obvious conclusion of where things go. Everything has gone digital. Everything's going to continue to keep going digital. And so is our money. Our money is going to go digital. Except for now, it's kind of a return to, you know, like I heard history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And so now it's just a return to private currencies making a comeback. Um, you know, people used to say, here's my purple seashell. I get it from purple seashell beach. And they're like, all right, cool. I'll take that. Here's your pile of sticks. And that's how money was done long, long, long time ago. And then you'd have this giant, sh- this giant pile of fucking different colored seashells. Like, oh, well, look at how rich I am. Well, now it's a little bit more sophisticated, obviously. But you're going to have this giant pile of private currencies that people accept. And they can accept them because they can hold value in the mathematics that holds them up. So it's just a return to that. And and banks are going to now struggle for a way to make their existence meaningful. Uh, because that's what they did when they first started up. People yeah. were like, wait, what are you going to do? You're going to hold my money and then I'm going to pay you to hold my money? Like, well, yeah, because if I don't hold it, then that big guy over there is going to come punch you in the face and take it. So yeah. you you might as well let me hold it. But now, because of Bitcoin, it's like, well, you know, bank, all I keep reading is that you're losing people's money, and I'm not an idiot. 
I know that tertiary effect, the order effect of things, affects how many fees you put on me and how many fees you put on my government, which in turn affects every fucking thing that I do, from buying groceries to a house. So, banks are going to have to struggle for their foothold in society, um, and it's a return to that. And this is a very long answer, but yes, I'm very passionate about (laughs) digital currencies. I think that they're going to be here. Uh, It's obvious. you know, this every future movie you see, you know, like uh, where they're talking about credits and Star Trek and shit like that. I feel I feel like they're talking about Bitcoin. So, yeah. Let me, um, let me, let me start my answer in there. It's a little bit different than, than all that. It it's like it, taking money out of the situation and generalizing it a bit further. Uh, whenever you have something that you want a, a group of people to agree upon you've essentially always had to trust one person to be the arbiter of information of like, you have to trust someone to tell, like to, to tell everyone else what the state of things is. Right. So you have to trust some secretary or, or, or bank or a clearinghouse to tell you who has what money, if we're talking about money again. And so trust was baked in to how we agreed upon anything. And this is the first time in history where, Trust isn't necessary to do that. So I'm interested to see how we rebuild all of the things that we've built so far uh, throughout history without trust, because it's no longer a necessary ingredient in how we do things. Hmm. And that idea, I think, is, is really cool. And being able to spread out or even trust in systems because they are trustless. This, this idea is really cool. And it money becomes the obvious choice for how you do a lot of this stuff and how you transfer value, but it goes far beyond money and how we share information because in the current day of the internet, data is the most powerful thing we have. But Mm -hmm. now we have a way to share and agree upon the state of data in a trustless way which revamps all the way, all, all the things we currently do for the internet and how these things are built and how it grows from here is something that like, I want to be a part of. And Bitcoin is like the first step to all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So I hope that answers your, your question for us, Dylan. Absolutely. You know, different responses, but. That's more. why we like the show the way we've built it is that we all three have different perspectives from why this is valuable to us, which only adds to the reason why it should be valuable to even more people. So, uh, you know, glad that you got the Bitcoin going. Um, Hopefully you keep on uh, buying little bits here and there. I'll send you some. Cool. Uh, I'll do it right now. We'll see how fast it is. The future is now. Hold up. Let's see if I can get this done under 30 seconds. Somebody time me. Hold on, you gotta, you gotta. I just started timing. It's timing now. You gotta get his QR code. No, I don't. I have it in here because I sent the money the very first time. Oh, oh. Okay. that worked. I sent it with Jax. You're actually using Coinbase. I wanted to show that you don't have to have the same wallet to send people money. It doesn't matter what wallet you have. They all and work. it's gone. Oh shit! I sent you Ether. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> Well, you got some ether now. If you want to keep it and send on that, you're cool too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can have it. I'll just get some more.
let's see here. So I have received, oh wait, that's July 2015. Let's see. Go to your, go to your home. Yep. Ether wallet. Ah, well, that would be why. Boom. $5. I have received my uh, ether. Oh, that fast. From Fergalati. Fergalati. That is correct. And uh, yeah, 0.42808 ETH. That would be $5. Bam. Well, that was quick. That was under 30 seconds. That was very quick. Ah, uh, Coinbase. We just advertised your shit for free. Come on our show. All right, so there we go. <laughs> we, got the, uh, we actually got the transaction faster than uh, Corey's connection while he was in Brazil. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. Well, you know, that was awesome. It, it's, it's good to see an on-ramping and, and how it can be valuable. I mean, basically, money is based on faith. And almost everything that we do and trust other people to do for us is based on faith. And so if people can have faith in mathematics, then there's no reason they can't have faith in Bitcoin. So welcome to the Bitcoin squad. We got to get you a T-shirt that we don't make. So we'll... I'll make one for y'all, but I'll just wear it and not give it out. Until you... <laughs> it's exclusive. <laughs> this is exclusive shit. Well, um, that's good. We wrap it up. Yep, wrap it up. All right, so uh, you guys can find our blog on Medium, the Bitcoin podcast blog, because we have original names to things. Uh, our Twitter is at the BTC podcast. Cheller runs the Twitter. Yeah. He does a great job. He, nice. uh, if you tweet to him, he will tweet back, unless you're a douche, in which point, in which case he probably will not. If you're a girl, I'll definitely. Oh, it'll be a. Literally a, a smooth tweet too, won't it? That's, <laughs> anyway. that's creepy. That was fucking creepy, dude. <laughs> Me or cello? No, cello's all like. <laughs> there are no girls here anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> podcast he was on. Ninety-eight <laughs> percent cello. Yeah. Welcome to the creepy Bitcoin podcast. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, creeping out. Anyways, um, that was weird. Uh, what else do we do? We do lots of shit, right? Ken's writing articles. He's got a couple articles coming up, so be on the lookout for those. Shout out to Ken. Um, we iTunes, uh, iTunes, yeah, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. Uh, we're on your grandma's iPod, first generation. I mean, we're everywhere. Um, so what else do you do? tip us if you like us? I never said that before, but we did. Oh, yeah, our affiliations, purse.io. Uh, if you want to do your shopping at Amazon, don't shop at purse.io instead. If you go to our website and you click on the link on the side, you'll see a bunch of cameras. Click on the cameras. It says 15% discount at purse. Uh, sign up at purse. You get 15% off of everything that you could get on Amazon. 15%, guys. That's 0.15 for you mathies out there. All right. So what that does is you buy stuff through purse and then we get a little bit from your purchase. So it helps us out. We need some new stuff. Corey needs a new headset, a new microphone. I need a mixer. Marcello needs a new bottle of Jack Daniels. I'm hundred percent sure. So we, we need things. No, okay. Um, and then what else do we have? Good enough for now. Yeah, that's good. So once again, shout out to uh, Zoe Saldana. 
Shout out to Dylan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Shout out to Carrie Hilson. Uh, question. Say what now? Well, I've got a question. I was going to say, uh, you know, for those uh, like me, new to the industry, who, who do you have coming up that's, uh, that you'll be interviewing in the next few podcasts that might be big time that could really, uh, you know, interest me? Is there anyone? It's hmm. a good question. We've got uh, Ryan X. Charles, I think, is going to be a good interview. Uh, he is building the Yours Network, which is basically um, it's like a social media except for with Bitcoin. Um, so I don't know if Corey told you about Steemit, but it's basically a site where you post things and then you get paid in digital currency for your posts. If it's a good post, you get paid a lot. If it's a shit post, you get paid nothing. Um, so instead of likes, you actually give people money. Uh, Similar to Reddit Gold, but yep. real money? Yep. yep. Exactly like that. Similar to Reddit Gold, but money, like real gold. There we go. All right. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Um, yours network is something we've been looking forward to for a while. Um, and due because of some recent upgrades in Bitcoin, it's now looking like more of a reality and less of a, you know, it's coming. It's coming, guys. It's coming. So that's going to be a good one. Uh, what do you think, Cello, Corey? Most what of else? what I think the upcoming interviews we've been getting are, are edge cases for blockchain and talking to a lot of people doing different things, not so much financial apps. So it's not so interesting to the person outside. Well, it'd be interesting to see, like, if you think only as Bitcoin is money, to see all of the different use cases of, of Bitcoin and blockchain outside of money that are really starting to develop what people are doing that, like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. That's, that's exciting. And so it, it'll get you to kind of understand the, the broad spectrum that, all of this stuff is capable of. And we interviewed someone yesterday who actually got into Blockstream first before getting into Bitcoin. So that's pretty interesting because now enough time has elapsed to where people are now learning about the technology uh, and the capabilities of Bitcoin without you know getting muddled and distracted with pricing and getting rich and to the moon and all that garbage. So that was pretty cool. Yep. So hopefully you tune in for those. Uh, we got an entire library of great shit, so you can go listen to that if you like. Um, and shout out to Sinai Lathan, stay gorgeous girl. Um, I ask you out on a date, seafood, of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be anything other? <laughs> um, yeah. So, you want to say play the outro, Dylan? Excuse me. Just say, say, play the outro. Play the outro. Please. Yeah. <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> good. That's good.